0: Hello, Overcoming Monday listeners. Thank you so much for tuning into episode 106. This episode is actually going to be a message that I gave at Crossroads Winter Conference 2023. So at the beginning of this year, our ministry, Clinton King Ministries, puts on a youth event um, called called Crossroads Winter Conference. We've been doing this for 26 years. This year we had over 1700 students and a multitude, multiple speakers, not a multitude of speakers, but we had multiple speakers. And this is one of the messages from the conference um, that was given by yours truly. So super excited to be able to release this to you guys today. There are also other messages that were um, preached at the conference, and you can access those if you want to by visiting our Facebook page. So if you go to Clayton Key Ministries Facebook page, you can watch messages from the entire conference, including the worship and even some of the response um, from the students that were there. It was an amazing weekend. I also want to give you an announcement. So shortly after this conference, I got a cold that lasted pretty much, I was coughing incessantly for 11 days. Um, right after I got after that over that cold, I got sick and I wasn't really sure what it was. At first I thought it was a stomach virus. And then I realized that I needed to go to the emergency room because I passed out in our bathroom and my husband actually thought that i wasn't going to come back so this is a crazy experience that i recently just had i'm still in recovery for it this is the reason i haven't been able to release any podcasts um, recently since that surgery in fact this is the first recording that i have done since that time i'm still in recovery so i would love your prayers but i am so thankful to be alive and to be getting well Um, And so I wanted to just be able to give you something and I felt like this message went really well and it connected with so many students and adults. So here you go. The title of this message um, that I gave at Crossroads Winter Conference is called, Are You Salty? So what's fun about this message is that I talk about the modern day context of how we use the word salty um, and joke around just a little bit about that. But then I go into how, did scripture um, use the concept of saltiness? In Matthew 5:13, Jesus speaks about being salty and how we need to be salt of the earth. That's what this message is about. I think you're gonna love it. So get ready, buckle your seatbelts and tune in to this wonderful message, I think, um, that I gave at Crossroads Winter Conference. I think it's challenging, I think it's fun, and I think you're gonna love it. have a question for you and this is the main question for this whole entire session it is are you salty are you salty that's the question I want you to be thinking about that and asking yourself am I salty so we have to ask ourselves a little bit what does salty mean but before I do that I want to kind of review what we've already been talking about because I want to tell you something that I think is really awesome Something that you guys may not know is that we do very often have a theme for some of the events that we do for the speakers that come in. But we also want to allow each of the speakers then to hear from the Lord, to hear from the Spirit of God, and to present what they feel like the Lord is laying on their heart. So we had this theme of salt and light, but we don't tell everyone what they should speak on or how they should speak or, you know, the the nature of how the messages should flow and how they should unite together. And what I find very often, it may be something that you guys don't notice or maybe something that you do. But somehow God weaves all these messages together because his spirit speaks to each of our speakers in a very special way so that they build on one another. And so I just want to start off this message today with showing you and just talking through what we've already learned so that we can get a little bit of an idea of what God is already doing. How God is not only in the songs that we sing and the, and the, uh, the words that we lift up and even the prayers that we pray and some of these discussions that you have, but God is in the works of bringing messages together for a purpose to build um, understanding in your hearts and souls so that you guys can walk away with some tools that you didn't have when you came. And so I want to look at this with you, okay? The first night, basically, Clayton spoke on how relationship with God is not a product of your words. So your words cannot create, like put you in a place to where you have an intimate relationship with him again because of sin. Sin separates us, but our words can't unite us with him. He, he doesn't just accept us based on our argument for him of why we should go to heaven, right? We can't argue our way into heaven. We can't work our way into heaven. We can't perform all these miraculous wonders and God's like, oh yeah, you deserve to be here because of all the wonders that you've done Instead, it's the will of God. It's His desire to be with you and His the way that He provided a path for you to be with Him in eternity. That's what we learned the first, in the first session. The second session, we learned from Shaq that sacrifice and suffering are part of the Christian life. I know a lot of times we think um, we might hear Just accept Jesus, and everything will go great and fine, and you'll be blessed, and you won't have any problems. Um, But that's not true, because guess what? The God of the universe, Jesus Christ, when he came to earth, did he suffer? Yes. Did he struggle? Yes. Was he persecuted? Yes. Who were we following? We're following Jesus. So should our lives look any different than his No, we have to learn how to thrive in suffering and persecution. And so Shaq said sacrifice and suffering are part of the Christian life and they are worth it. Why are they worth it? Because they make us more like who Jesus is. We learn from him and we learn what it really means to be a Christian because we get tested. And we may not like testing. I hate tests in school. I feel like I like to learn, but I hate tests. I get super anxious. I'm not a great test taker. But the reality is life is going to test us. And what we believe is going to come out in how we live and the decisions that we make. And that is what we, we discover when we go through sacrifice and suffering. We discover who we really are. Jacob said we are called to be perfect, but that perfection... Is provided by God through relationship with Christ. Our perfection doesn't come from ourselves. It's provided by God because He chose to perfect those who repent of their sins and ask to be in relationship with Him. So we are called to be perfect. We're called to follow Christ in perfection, but that perfection doesn't come from ourselves. And that's good news for me because let me tell you, I have, uh, it's funny, my husband and I are wired very different. He wakes up in the morning and, um, and he just hops out of bed, you know, he could probably go run a marathon at five in the morning. I'm like waking up, I need to listen to a few songs. Uh, I'm not necessarily grumpy, I'm just not very verbal. <laughs> I'm like trying to wake up, right? I just need a little while for someone to have an intelligible conversation with me. I need some like mental warm ups, right? And so um, Clayton would say that I'm not a morning person, but I would say by about 7:20, 8 o'clock, I'm pleasant. Um, but don't pull the covers off of me or shine lights in my face first thing in the morning. In fact, one of the things that I had the builders of our house do specifically right when we first built the house, I said, look, I need a dimmer in the bathroom because I just cannot wake up to bright lights. So that's a little bit about me. And so I just, I just take a little bit longer to wake up. I don't like tests. I don't like, um, we're just all so different. And so anyway, um, what I want to talk about today with you is um, what it means to be salt and light. So the overall theme of this conference is salt and light. In order to be salt and light, you first have to have a relationship with God. So Clayton talked to you about how to have a relationship with God. Shaq talked to you about how a relationship with God will sometimes cause suffering in your life. It will be difficult. It won't be like easy peasy, right? Then Jacob talked about how a relationship with God being salt and light requires perfection, but that doesn't come from us, it comes from God working through us. Today, we're, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what does it look like to be salt and light on a very practical level. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I can't speak to every person in this room and tell you all the ways practically that you in your specific life can be salt and light, but I'm going to give you some overarching practical principles so that you understand when you walk out of here what it looks like to be salt and light. First, let's talk about salty. So I made these sweatshirts, right? Uh, some of you guys may have seen them. And I was, in a, I was in conflict when I made them because Matthew 5.13, Jesus says, we're going to read this, it says that we must be salt and we must be light. But in our world today, salty has changed its meaning to a degree, Right? So salty meant something different in Jesus' day than it does in ours, sort of. So let's talk about this modern-day salty. When you guys think of the word salty, there may be different meanings than what the Bible said. And I was thinking about times in my life when I might have displayed saltiness. So let's talk about the modern-day definition of salty. One is being annoyed or upset, especially when this is unreasonable. Now, reason is just subjective sometimes. So let me tell you about a time where I was salty when I felt like something was unreasonable. I was about 13 or 14. My brother was super obnoxious. He always just annoyed me. He was always messing with me. And I and I wasn't, uh, I was one of those people that would tell him to stop, but he just was highly obnoxious at this age of my life. And I was a, You know, I was wanting to be cool. And he was just so uncool around my friends. And I was like, could you just stop being so spazzy? That's how I would describe him. Just utterly spazzy. And he would probably own up to it at this time in his life. Well, there was this one time where he was just being really obnoxious. And this was unusual for me. But I just decided I couldn't take it anymore. (laughs) And I pushed him down the stairs. Now, did I know the stairs were behind him? No. Did I mean to push him? Yes. Did I mean for him to fall down the stairs and get hurt? No, I didn't mean that part of it, but did I mean to push him? Yes, I was trying to get him away from me. He was driving me nuts. So here's what happens. My mom walks up to me, as a mom should, to discipline me, and she tells me to tell my brother I'm sorry. Well, here's what you may not know. I was going to say I was sorry before my mom told me to. But it made me mad that she told me to say, I'm sorry. So all of a sudden in that moment, I thought this is unreasonable because he's been bugging me and he deserved to be pushed. And I'm telling you, I don't know how this came out, but I looked at my mom. This was highly unusual for me. I'm not this person, uh, especially with the authority figures. So I looked at her and I was like, no, I'm not gonna tell him I'm sorry because then I'll be sending twice. I'll be sending because I told him that I'm sorry, which I'm not. And um, and I will have pushed him down the stairs and hurt him, and that's a sin too. And my mom was just like, what? You did not. So <laughs> at actually, I realized I was not 13. I was 11 because I remember it was the last spanking I got. So I went into uh, my bedroom. My mom said, you're going to get a spanking. Well, I didn't get many spankings, um, but I laid on the bed, and I was thinking, how do I get a spanking? And she came in, and she said, you need to turn over. So I turned over. She went to hit my butt, give me a spanking, and I, um, I, I rolled over. And when I did, she hit my, her wrist on my knee and she sprained her wrist. Yeah. So this is one of those times where she said, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I believed her, right? Because she got a sprained wrist. Um, here's another definition of salty, critical or sarcastic in a slightly funny way. Critical or sarcastic in a slightly funny way. So let me tell you about um, something that I, uh, when Clayton and I first met, this is how we met. I went to school at Appalachian State University. I got a recreation management degree because I felt like God was leading me to do camp ministry. I was trained in rock climbing, uh, whitewater rafting, and caving, which probably if you look at me, you wouldn't think, oh yeah, she's totally a rock climbing instructor. So, Clayton mentioned that he needed a rock climbing instructor for our camps, which we don't do anymore, by the way, but we did. When he said that during his sermon, he said, we need a rock climbing instructor for our camps. If you are trained in rock climbing, come and talk to me. So after his message, I walked up to him. Now, let me tell you this. I did not want this job because it made no sense to me. I wanted a full-time job. I told the Lord that because I was a senior and I needed to actually like survive, Instead of having a three-week job in the summer, I I wanted like a real-time, full-time job. So I told the Lord, this doesn't make sense for me to get this job. So that was my attitude walking up to Clayton. I saw him, and I walked up, and I said, hey. I didn't say, hi, great sermon. You're awesome. I didn't say my name or, you know, anything. I just said, hey, do you still need someone at your camp? I think down deep inside, I was hoping that he would say no. So I'd be off the hook because I felt like God was telling me to work camp, but I didn't want to. So I looked at Clean and I said, do you still need people at your camp? And he said, yes, but probably not you because we need people in skill positions. And, you know... Passive, normally passive rule followers. Shari, um, respecting authority, looked at him and said, well, what kind of skills do you need? Because I went to school for recreation management and I can do all these things. And I started listing them all off. I took his breath away. He fell in love with me and he hired me. (laughs) That was salty, but it was kind of in a useful way because I was kind of standing up for myself. Let me tell you something that happened just a few days ago um, that I realized last night, this is how the Lord works. I realized last night when I was going to bed that maybe I was too salty with someone in this room. I uh, was writing here with some of our staff, and sometimes I see our staff as friends, you know? Um, I really love our staff. I like to hang out with them. And I don't think about myself as necessarily being an authority figure or possibly being someone who they see as hired them. I just think of them as friends, you know? So I was riding with four of our staff here, and we got in the car, and um, we were just chatting it up. And the girl who was driving, she turned on her windshield wipers, and, you know, it's snowing and all this kind of stuff, and her windshield wipers were super blurry and foggy. And she goes, man... My windshield wipers are awful. And if it had been one of my children or my children's friends, I probably would have said this because they know me, but I was like, hey, there's this place called Advanced Auto, and you can go there, you can buy wipers, and they'll put them on for you. And it was like so sarcastic and slightly mean. And I talked to her about this, actually repented to her this morning because I realized that that probably could have come off as judgmental and mean. I think probably I was just trying to be funny and relatable, but it probably wasn't appropriate with her. Now, if it was my son, I can joke with him like that. And he'll laugh, either one of them, well, they'll just laugh at me. But with her, it probably wasn't great. The funny thing is when I told her, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have done that. That probably wasn't the great bonding (laughs) that we should have had. She said, look, I didn't take it that way. I just thought it was funny. I felt like I was getting to know you. She was being gracious. But sometimes we're too salty in the wrong situations. And so I want to talk about saltiness. How do we actually be salty? What did it mean when Jesus said, be salt and light? So traditionally, and in the biblical history, salt was used as a preservative or a form of payment. So you might think that's weird. But salt was a form of payment. So Say someone owed you money. Salt was so valuable, someone could pay you in salt. Roman soldiers very often were paid in salt. Or if you had, they didn't have refrigerators. If you needed to keep your food good so it didn't make you sick, you would slather it in salt and put it in, uh, like, cool place in order for it to remain good and eatable. It was highly essential. Salt was one of these things that you needed in order to eat, in order to sometimes pay other people. Let me ask you this. If I went to, quote, uh, you know, I don't live in Jesus's time, but if I was a Roman soldier and someone paid me with salt that was not salty and therefore useless— would I be pleased with that? It would be like someone paying you for a job with Monopoly money. You can't do anything with Monopoly money. You can't, like, it's just pretty much pointless. If someone tried to give you Monopoly money, you'd look at them for, like, something that you were selling or goods. Or if you walked into a store and you were trying to buy something and you gave them Monopoly money, they'd look at you like you were crazy. So in order for salt to be useful, it actually has to be salty. Salty. Let me tell you some things my husband has taught me because he's been studying salt a lot from this guy. He's a scientist, um, a health guru. Um, every muscle and every organ in your body requires salt. It's like water. You need salt and water in your body. Your stomach requires salt to digest your food. A lack of salt can cause muscle cramps and dehydration. So, think about this. This is why we have things like Gatorade that give you the perfect amount of electrolytes, according to some people. There's these mixes of athletic drinks that will hydrate you in, a, in the way that you need in order for your body to function well. This is the true meaning of being salty it's being useful, it's being necessary. And sometimes, I'm going to show you today, it actually means being strong when you're unable. So let's look at the biblical definition of saltiness. This is how I'm going to define it today. It's tasting or smelling like Jesus. Tasting or smelling like Jesus. That sounds really weird when I say it. But let's read Matthew 513 And I'll illustrate this a little bit. Okay? Matthew 5.13 says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Think about that. It's no longer good for anything if it's not If it has no taste, if it does not taste like salt anymore, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled. Verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So the first thing that I want to tell you, and if you're taking notes, you should write this down. Salt must be salty to be useful. Salt must be salty to be useful. If somebody just pours salt on your fries that you get from McDonald's, which is my favorite kind of fry, I don't really like mcdonald's really for anything else but french fries because they just for me have the perfect texture and the perfect amount of salt and i crave them very often when i don't need to eating them i want mcdonald's french fries when i'm stressed out if someone sprinkled a substance on my french fries that looked like salt but did not taste like salt i'm telling you i would take the french fries back because the reason i'm actually craving the french fries is for the salt not necessarily the potatoes i mean think about it would you like the fries as much if it didn't have salt on it or hey maybe it has salt but the salt doesn't taste like salt and you're like what something's wrong here so when salt doesn't taste like salt it you know just you know something's wrong unsalty salt is thrown away and trampled because it's not useful or necessary if someone puts salt on my fries but it doesn't taste like salt i'm gonna say your salt is bad you need to throw it out and get some new salt so here's what's hard for us is that as christians we're supposed to be salty but when we're salty in the world when we look when we taste like jesus Sometimes the world doesn't like it. Because the world, many people in the world, don't love Jesus. They don't like who Jesus was or what he said. They don't agree with you and I and our beliefs. They don't want to live like Jesus. And so when you're salty, the, the Bible says you're useful, but the world doesn't like how you taste because the world wants to live a different way than you are living if you are living in relationship with Jesus. Very often, you and the world will be in conflict with each other. I know you've experienced this in your life. I've experienced it when, especially when I was in high school. Here's an example. When I was a um, rafting guide in college, I hung out with a lot of other recreation majors. And let me tell you, pretty much all of them smoked pot. And every time we got off of work, they would go and hang out with each other, and they would smoke pot. Well, they asked me if I would want to hang out. And I said, yeah, I'll hang out. But I'm not going to come over and hang out with y'all and smoke weed. If y'all want to go out to eat, I'll do that. But this isn't just, this isn't how I live. But here's the reality. We had so much fun while we were guiding. We hung out together and and really bonded over the activity that we did. But when it came to hanging out and doing things that I felt like were not within like a godly um, testimony for me, the things I had to say no to All of a sudden, there was this weird barrier where not only they asked me at first if I would hang out with them, but when I told them the reason that I did not want to, all of a sudden, I wasn't invited anymore. And here's the reality for you and me. Sometimes we are invited into circles where we know it's not appropriate for us. It's stuff that we should not be doing. It's not good for us. It doesn't, it's not going to keep us salty. Because if I'm salty in an environment where everyone's smoking weed and I'm sitting there not doing it, to be honest, I'm going to feel out of place. I'm going to feel pressured and I'm probably going to give in. So I need to say no. That's the right decision. But here's what's bad. When I say no, I feel left out and lonely. I feel like not only rejected, but like I'm rejecting. I'm creating a wall and a barrier, and that doesn't feel pleasant. But here's what I believe the Lord would say. Don't compromise your saltiness in order to fit in, in order to compromise who you are and your testimony when you compromise your testimony in order to fit in and to not be rejected, when you lower your saltiness, then you're no longer really living out the testimony of the person who you say you worship. You are worshiping something else other than Christ in that moment. And honestly, I've done it too. We're so tempted to give in. We're so tempted to let our saltiness become unsalty. But the reality is, when we are not salty, our testimony becomes no longer useful for Christ because people become confused. Aren't you guys confused when someone says they love Jesus, but then their life doesn't measure up? It doesn't look the same when they're compromising? When they're doing things that it doesn't seem like Jesus would do, that doesn't look like who Jesus is or tastes like who he is, it's confusing. So we lose our usefulness for the kingdom of God. So here's your reality. You have to decide how important it is for you to be useful in the kingdom of God. And honestly, you have to set your face to choose what it is that you're going to do with your life. You have to know that there are going to be times when you feel left out. And, and honestly, you're almost, it's almost better sometimes to expect it. You can still be disappointed by it. But if you expect that sometimes the world will not embrace you when you taste or look like Jesus, if you know that, then you know why you're doing it. The reality is, you are being persecuted. You are suffering because of your beliefs. And you know what? Jesus is standing and applauding you. He is applauding the stand that you're making in order to look and taste more like him. Saul does a lot like light. The scripture says that lights cannot be hidden. By nature, a light provides light for others. Our light is meant to help others glorify God. Being salt and light demands that we show fortitude, strength, and resilience. Here's the reality. A lot of people want to scream, I'm brave, right? I think in this culture, it's like, you know, people are wearing, I'm brave, I'm strong, women power, you know, whatever. People are screaming right now. But the reality is, A lot of times, we're screaming, I'm brave, on our clothing or from our mouths. But down deep inside, we haven't built the resilience to actually live out a brave life. And here's what I choose. I think it's better to have fortitude than to scream, I'm brave. Let me tell you what fortitude is. It's looking at life and saying, I don't know how to be salt because I feel scared. I feel rejected. I don't know what this looks like in our world. I don't know how to translate who Christ is in my circles. But I am going to keep trying. And I'm going to allow myself to be rejected for the sake of Christ. I'm going to be a living sacrifice, laying down my needs and wants. And as I do this along the way, God's going to give me the fortitude to withstand the pressures of other people and to remain faithful to who God is. Look, I don't even like the word brave anymore because I feel like our world is throwing it away. It doesn't actually mean brave. It just means I'm insecure, but I'm putting something on the outside to say I'm brave, but I'm not. I just have a loud voice, but my life doesn't speak anything. Fortitude, being salty, means that God has become your primary desire, your primary focus. You're willing to take the hit because you know in the end that being like Christ is more important than being like anything else. And it requires us to almost have tunnel vision in how we live so that we can um we, we don't take on the arrows of the enemy. We have to expect that this world's not going to like who we are. Jesus didn't come into the world and say, follow me so that everyone will love you. He said, when you follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross. That's the reality of this, this faith we have chosen. But let me tell you, it is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it to do things the way that God calls us to do them. I'm going to tell you, um, when I look at my life, if other people were to examine my life, my experiences, some of the um, things that I've gone through in my life, the statistics should show that I am someone else. Let me explain. I've been through a lot of different family situations. My mom's been married four times, my dad three. Statistically, when you look at stats, for someone, quote, like me, I should have probably been someone who didn't finish high school, someone who went in and out of relationships with guys, gave myself to whoever made me feel important or needed or loved. Possibly I would have already been pregnant or gotten an abortion because I was sexually abused. These are the stats of this world. The world would tell me that I should be someone else. Possibly I should be a single mom. Not that this is bad, but with a child. Maybe I I should have quit high school because people would tell me that someone like me would need other people to make them feel important and loved. But let me tell you what God did, and I and I cannot take the credit. God stole my heart when I was 11 years old. And when he rescued me, when he became the Lord of my soul, I realized that there was no one else. I, I literally couldn't see anything else in this life that could rescue me like he did and I wasn't an expert at this, but every time things were hard, I said, Lord, I don't know how to get through this, help me. And somehow he became the dad I never had. And somehow he became this strength that I never saw anyone model for me of pushing through hard circumstances. Now my mom did that, but I'm talking about like a strong dad figure who would protect me and who I knew would be there to get my back. God became that for me. I want to ask you, do you need that? It's perhaps the reason why you cannot be salty is because you just don't believe you have the strength for it. Guess what? God says to you, I am your strength. I am your rock. I am your fortress. These are all things that he says in scripture. We can run to him. Do you know some of the, some of my favorite scriptures are the ones that says he puts his wings around me. And he embraces me and he protects me. I can't tell you how many times in my life where I made hard choices and I, that I did not want to make, where I felt rejected. And I would go back home and I would read the Psalms and I, and I felt like God was just hovering over me with wings, allowing me to cry in my room to him, asking him for the strength to do the things I didn't want to do. Let me tell you the stats of my life because of Jesus. I met my husband in college. I had never had sex. We did not have sex until we were married because we felt like this was something we wanted to do within marriage that God had called us to do that. I have been married to him for 23 years. I have two wonderful children who both love Jesus. I did not think any of these things could happen when I was young. I did not think I could make it. The only reason why I made it was Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, the only reason he has been my rock. And this is what I want to say to you. If you feel like you're waffling, maybe your rock is not the right rock. If you don't know how to be salt, if you don't know how to stand out when others are calling you and like asking you to do things that, you don't choices that you don't want to make but you find yourself continuing to make them possibly you need to run to jesus more you need to create barriers so that your mind is focused on him and what he has done for you what has he done for you we've talked about this we need to be perfect we cannot be perfect so what did god do he said i will be perfect for you i will come to earth god of the universe said i will become a person hello He became like the created he created us but he decided to become like us he put himself in a human body and then he allowed himself to be rejected and tortured but guess what the wonderful part of the story is that he resurrected from the dead that's why all of us are following him, because he gave of himself. But that wasn't the end. The end was that he tells us another story. You don't have to die forever. You can live forever, like me. When we die, we will be resurrected just like Christ if we believe that. The thing is, we're believing in resurrection, but not just in the future. I believe I can be resurrected now, and let me tell you how. Because I was a young girl who felt like she had no hope, who felt like the world was bigger than her, who felt like everyone around me had louder voices, and I was terrified, and I was afraid. But my God stood by me. He resurrected me here on Earth so that I can make decisions that no one like me could have ever made. How am I here? I don't know. How do I have the story I have? I don't know. When I look at my personality just alone, I should not be who I am, but I am. And all I can say is that my saltiness comes from a place of knowing that being salty before people is tough because not everyone wants to taste your salt, because not everyone loves Jesus Christ. Many Christians even change who he is and what he says to fit their own beliefs because they just can't quite live it out all the way. But here's your reality and mine. Jesus is who he said he is. We cannot change him because we think he's different he said who he was in the word of God and he does not change he is he has never changed he has been here for all eternity and his character does not change we can't change him because we don't like him we can either follow him for who he is or we can choose to be less salty let me tell you what happens when we're less salty We lose our identity in Christ. When we don't remain salty, we really don't know who we are. When we compromise, our understanding of who Christ is becomes clouded, and we start justifying who we are based on who we want to be and not who Jesus is. When we become, when we allow ourselves to compromise our saltiness, We don't grow or mature. Why do you think it's so hard to live like Christ? Because it's so contrary to our nature that we're born with. And so Jesus has to teach us how to be like Him. And He does that through us standing up in hard circumstances or through failing. Failing in a circumstance where we thought we could be strong. We're in a process of learning. The question is, do you want to be salty? If you do, God will teach you these things. Finally, we lose our witness. If we're not salty, we don't look like salt. We don't look like who Jesus has made us to be. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A lot of times we think, you know, light is good. Like, we portrayed it, light is good, darkness is bad. But let me tell you something. Like, when I wake up in the morning, I don't want light blinding me. (laughs) I don't like it super bright. But what I think scripture would say is that we just are bright. When we look like Jesus, we're bright. Some people will like our light and some people will not. Some people will want to get blackout curtains (laughs) and close the windows so they don't see you.